Hello, lizards. We're on chapter 12, Mr. H. M. Wobblebug T. E. And uh, this is a new character, and uh, he's quite something. Now, General Ginger, who you will remember, it's a little hostile. You better remember. Commanded the Army of Revolt. Oh, who you will remember commanded the Army of Revolt. Was rendered very uneasy by the escape of the Scarecrow from the Emerald City. She feared, and with good reason, that if His Majesty and the Tin Woodman joined forces, it would mean danger to her and her entire army. For the people of Oz had not yet forgotten the deeds of the famous heroes who had successfully passed through so many startling adventures. To which I say, unless the general melts in water, I think I think she's good. So Ginger sent post haste for old Mumbai, the witch, and promised her large rewards if she would come to the assistance of the rebel army. Oh no, we don't like Mumbai. Mumbai was furious at the trick Tip had played upon her as well as at his escape and the theft of the precious powder of life. So she needed no urging to induce herself to travel to the Emerald City to assist Ginger in defeating the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman, who had made Tip one of their friends. Mumbai had no sooner arrived at the Royal Palace than she discovered by means of her secret magic that the adventurers were starting upon their journey to the Emerald City, so she retired. Oh, so she retired to a small room. She didn't like, let me, let me cash out my 401k. Mm. So she retired to a small room high up in the tower and locked herself in while she practiced such arts as she could command to prevent the return of the scarecrow and his companions. That is why the tin woodman presently stopped and said, something very curious has happened. I ought to know by heart every step of this journey, but uh, I I fear we have already lost our way. That is quite impossible, protested the Scarecrow. Why do you think, my dear friend, that we have gone astray? Why, here before us is a great field of sunflowers, and uh, I never saw this field before in my life. At these words, they all looked around only to find that they were indeed surrounded by a field of tall stalks, every stalk bearing at its top a gigantic sunflower. The phrase, only to find, suggests that they did not notice before this moment that there were sunflowers all around them, and that, that about tracks. And not only were these flowers almost blinding in their vivid hues of red and gold, but each one whirled around on its stalk like a miniature windmill, completely dazzling the vision of the beholders, and so mystifying them that they knew not which way to turn. It's witchcraft, exclaimed Tip. While they paused, hesitating and wandering, the tin woodman uttered a cry of impatience. Oh, I I don't like that. (laughs) Take two. Oh, 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 nope, it's getting worse. Uh, but he did his cry of impatience, that wasn't it. And advanced with his swinging axe to cut down the stalks before him. But 
Now the sunflowers suddenly stopped their rapid whirling, and the travelers plainly saw a girl's face appear in the center of each flower. These lovely faces looked upon the astonished band with mocking smiles, and then burst into a chorus of merry laughter at the dismay their appearance caused. Oh, it's drugs. They're, they're on drugs. Stop, stop, cried Tip, seizing the woodman's arm. They're alive. They're girls. At that moment, the flowers began whirling again, and the faces faded and were lost in the rapid revolutions. The tin woodman dropped his axe and sat down upon the ground. It would be heartless to chop down these pretty creatures, he said despondently. Um, he's despondent that he can't kill people. And yet I do not know how else we can proceed along the way. They look to me strangely like the faces of the army of revolt, mused the scarecrow. But I cannot conceive how the girls would have followed us here so quickly. It must be magic, said Tip positively. And that someone is playing a trick on us. I've known old Mumbai to do things like that before. Well, probably it's nothing more than an illusion, and there are no sunflowers here at all. Then uh, let us sh- shut our eyes and uh, walk forward suggested the woodman. Excuse me, replied the scarecrow. My eyes are not painted to shut. Because you happen to have tin eyelids, you must not imagine we are all built the same way. This is fair. This is a fair point. And the eyes of the sawhorse are not eyes, said Jack, leaning forward to examine them. Unnecessarily, I might add. Nevertheless, you must ride quickly forward, commanded Tip, and we will follow you and try to escape. My eyes are already so dazzled that I can scarcely see. His voice cracked like that, I'm sure. So the pumpkin head rode boldly forward, and Tip grasped the stub tail of the sawhorse and followed with closed eyes. <laughs> the scarecrow and the tin wood, woodman. The scarecrow and the tin woodman brought up the rear, and before they had gone many yards, a joyful shout from Jack announced that the way was clear before them. Then all paused to look backwards, but not a trace of the sunflowers remained. More cheerfully now they proceeded upon their journey. But old Mumbai had so changed the appearance of the landscape that they surely would have been lost had not the scarecrow wisely concluded to take the direction from the sun. For no witchcraft could change the source of the sun, and it was therefore a safe guide. Hey, they're getting smarter. However, other difficulties lay before them. The sawhorse stepped into a rabbit hole and fell into the ground. Okay, never mind. Never mind what I said about them getting smarter. The pumpkin head was pitched high into the air and his history would probably have ended at that exact moment had not the tin woodman skillfully caught the pumpkin as it descended and saved it from injury. Tip soon had fitted it, fitted it, fitted it. Tip soon had it fitted to the neck again and replaced Jack upon his feet. But the sawhorse did not escape so easily. 
For when his leg was pulled from the rabbit hole, it was found to be broken off short and must be replaced or repaired before it could go a step further. This is quite serious, said the Tin Woodman. If there were trees nearby, I might soon manufacture another leg for this animal, but I cannot see even a shrub for miles around. And there are neither fences nor houses in this part of the land of Oz, added the scarecrow disconsolately. Disconsolately? What then shall we do? inquired the boy. I suppose I must start my brains working, replied his majesty the scarecrow. He turned them off. What a time to turn them off. For my experience has taught me that I can do anything if I but take time to think it out. Well, let us all think, said Tip. And perhaps we'll find a way to the... He said. So they all sat in a row upon the grass and began to think. While the sawhorse occupied itself by gazing curiously upon his broken limb. Perhaps we will find a way to repair the sawhorse. Does it hurt? Asked the tin woodman in a soft, sympathetic tone. Not in the least, returned the sawhorse. But my pride is injured to find that my anatomy is so brittle. All right, well, let's move on the adventure then. For a time, the little group remained in silent thought. Presently, the tin woodman raised his head and looked over the fields. What sort of creature is that which approaches us? He asked, wonderingly. The others followed his gaze and discovered coming toward them was the most extraordinary object they had ever beheld. This better be good. It advanced quickly and noiselessly over the soft grass, and in a few minutes stood before the adventurers and regarded them with an astonishment equal to their own. The scarecrow was calm under all circumstances. Good morning, he said politely. The stranger removed his hat with a flourish, bowed very low, and then responded. A good morning, one and all. I hope you are, as an aggregation, enjoying excellent health. Permit me to present my card. With this courteous speech, it extended a card toward the scarecrow, who accepted it, turned it over, and handed it with a shake of his head to Tip. The boy read it aloud. Mr. H. M. Wabberberg T. E. Dear me? ejaculated the pumpkin head, staring somewhat intently. How very peculiar, said the tin woodman. Tip's eyes were rounded wandering, and the sawhorse uttered a sigh and turned away its head. Are you really a wobble bug? inquired the scarecrow. Most certainly, my dear sir, answered this stranger briskly. Is that not my name upon the card? It is said the Scarecrow. Uh, may I ask what H.M. stands for? Oh, H.M. means highly magnified, returned the Wobblebug proudly. Oh, I see. The Scarecrow viewed the stranger critically. And are you in truth highly magnified? Sir, 
said the Pablo Pug. I take you for a gentleman of judgment and discernment. Did it not occur to you that I am several thousand times greater than any Wubblebug you have ever seen before? Therefore, it is plainly evident that I am highly magnified, and there is no good reason why you should doubt that fact. Pardon me, returned the Scarecrow. Uh, my brains are slightly mixed since I was last laundered. Would it be improper for me to ask also what, what the T-E at the end of your name stands for? Oh, those letters express my degree, answered the Wobblebug with a condescending smile. Uh, to be more explicit, the initials mean that I am thoroughly educated. I do actually kind of like this guy. Oh, said the Scarecrow, much relieved. What do you think it was going to stand for? Tip had not yet taken his eyes off the wonderful personage. What he saw was a great round bug-like body, supported by two slender legs which ended in delicate feet, the toes curling upward. The body of the wobble bug was rather flat, and judging from what could be seen of it, a glistening dark brown color upon the back, while the front was stripped with alternate bands of light brown and white, blending together at the edges. Its arms were fully as slender as its legs, and upon a rather long neck was perched a head, not unlike the head of a man, except that his nose ended in a curling antenna, or a, a feeler, and its ears from the upper points were antennae that decorated the sides of his head like two miniature curling pigtails. It must be admitted that the round black eyes were rather bulging in appearance, but the expression upon the Wobblebug's face was by no means unpleasant. For dress, this insect wore a blue... A dark blue, pardon me, swallowtail coat with yellow silk lining and a flower in the buttonhole, a vest of white duck that stretched tightly across the wide body, knickerbockers of fawn-colored flush fastened at the knees with gilt buckles, and perched upon its small head was a gingham, I'm just kidding was jauntily set a silk hat. Standing upright before our amazed friends, the Wobblebug appeared to be as fully as tall as the Tin Woodman, and surely no bug in all the Land of Oz had ever attained to such an enormous size. I confess, said the Scarecrow, that your abrupt appearance has caused me surprise, and no doubt has startled my companions. I hope, however, that this circumstance will not distress you we shall probably get used to you in time. Oh, do not apologize, I beg of you, returned the Wobblebug earnestly, for it affords me great pleasure to surprise people, for I cannot be classed with ordinary insects, <laughs> and I am entitled to both curiosity and admiration, admiration from those I meet. You are indeed, agreed his majesty. If you will permit me to seat myself in your august company, continued the stranger, I will gladly relate my history so that you will be able to so that you will be able to better comprehend my unusual, may I say, remarkable appearance. You may say what you please. So the Wobblebug sat down upon the grass, facing the little group of wanderers, and told them the following story.
And that's the end of the chapter. Which is not how you write a sentence.